Hello, and welcome to the Corner 3 Podcast. I'm Andy. I'm Bailey. And wait, no, Ant's not here, but that's okay. No, well, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately okay. not. Had other things to do. But that's okay, because we have plenty of things to talk about this week. Uh, oh, Bailey, what are we yeah. talking about this week? Uh, we're going to talk about all the chaos that happened last Thursday at the trade deadline. I mean... 17 deals that day i mean it was ramping up to be not look like a crazy uh Mm -hmm. trade deadline like we all thought during that whole week was pretty quiet and all of a sudden everybody was like nope we are gonna do stuff don't you worry i don't know if it was the same with you but till about like one o'clock the whole morning i was just sitting on nba twitter like refreshing the timeline typing in woes woes bombs deal you know i was very disappointed up until up until like what one or two o'clock some deals started dropping mm-hmm. 43 players i think dealt which is an nba record which is pretty crazy yes sir and i think that's not even including the buyouts releases things like that mm. there's wave yeah. some crazy stuff crazy couldn't get traded i think before we talk about some of these deals because we're going to talk about some of the uh players that were dealt um but before we get into that a player that wasn't dealt that i think we all thought was going to get dealt uh kyle lowry kyle lowry i was thinking the same thing i was kind of i was somewhat pulling for for miami to get him. not gonna lie but uh yeah i think i'm guessing that they're the uh asking price was just a little too high to for toronto to you know toronto wanted something to part for uh part with them and i just think there weren't a lot of teams out there willing to to give them what they were asking for yeah, I think when a player is part of your team for so long, that's because because in a typical scenario, you'd want to get what you can if he's pretty much leaving their rebuilding. Uh, when you have a player that won a title with you, uh, I think it'd be a little disrespectful to trade him for just pennies on the dollar. So I think that's why maybe they held on to him just from the. That's true too. You know, yeah, making a classy move. You know, if you get if you get a second round pick for, for Kyle Lowry, the, you know, that doesn't really look good. Not a lot of yeah. Toronto fans. Very happy. It'd <laughs> <laughs> uh, be a uh, tank in their team and their fan base. Uh, but let's talk about some of these deals. Uh, Bailey, what, what deal do you want to talk about first? We're going to start with, I mean, I think we, we start with the latest news yesterday or late, latest big news. I guess you mm-hmm. could say uh, the Lakers got Andre Drummond after his buyout. Uh, with with the Cavs, he decided to sign up in L.A. and uh, help them in their hope for a, uh, a repeat. I'm pretty excited about this for L.A., honestly. I think it helps them long-term, uh, but I think really more it helps them in the short-term, especially with Anthony Definitely. Davis being out. We talked about the, the West just being a bloodbath last week. Um, with Dallas, I think, five games out from the fourth seed and they're the eighth seed. So it's, it's very close. Giving someone to hold down the forts in the front court is just super important for the Lakers now. I think it's a good move long-term, but especially for right now. No, definitely. I'm exactly, I, I'm with you on all that. They, uh, they needed a big man to step in and fill those shoes um, with, is, with, uh, yeah, with Marcus Gasol on a minute's restriction after coming back from rough case of COVID. Hasn't played the greatest as their starting center. Montrezl Harrell, uh, I don't know if he's just not – I don't know what happened. You know, he, he's not living up exactly to what I think they were expecting and hoping from him. So Andre Drummond comes in and, and fits that starting center role right off the bat. Going to get you, you know, 13 to 15 rebounds every night. And right now in the meantime with LeBron and AD out, He's going to get you some points too, be able to to help you offensively. And I think this makes L.A. an even scarier defensive team. Mm. They were already, you know, one of the top defensive teams in the league. Now adding another big man to hold down the fort in the middle, I just think I don't want to face them in the playoffs <laughs> if I'm any other team. That's fair. Uh, here's the question, though. So we're, I think as – any casual NBA fan could see that we're heading towards an inevitable Lakers Nets finals. So in that scenario, how many minutes and can you keep Drummond on the floor in the finals towards the end of games? How many minutes does he play a game? What do you think? 
Oof. Towards the end of the game, that's that's the tricky part. Um, how many minutes does he play? I think he's playing 28, pushing 30. Um, I, I think it all depends on his uh, defensive impact in the game. And really, we, we're not going to know how he fits in with AD for a while till he comes mm-hmm. back. That's that's the biggest thing to me is see how they click together. Um, I think that Andre Drummond will uh, – something that the Lakers really like to do a lot is that pick-and-roll game. I think Andre Drummond uh, might be a better – obviously, Montrezl Harrell, Harrell back in uh, the Clippers was a great pick-and-roll player, but he hasn't been the same since moving over to the Lakers. Marcus Gasol is not a pick-and-roll player at all, so – I think Andre Drummond does fit into their offense in that case and uh, can play some solid minutes for them and definitely help that team out. That's fair. I think I'm, I think one of the things I'm most excited, I'm excited for the Lakers as a team to get Drummond, but I'm also excited to see how Drummond will do with a good team. I've heard a lot recently about Drummond not being an effective player, not contributing to wins. Uh, at the same time, we've only seen him play for what the Pistons and the Cavs in his career. Yep pretty pretty sorry team so so in a in a system where he's doesn't feel the pressure as much where he's playing on a winning system on a winning team i'd like to see what drummond can do if he can really fit that that role player role yeah because i don't think he has to do much you know Mm -hmm. he's coming from teams where a lot of expectations like you said were put on him and now he comes over here and it's like hey we need you to get rebounds play defense and pick and roll (laughs) got it cool thanks (laughs) Couple blocks would be nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So we're talking about big men signing with the title team. Uh, next up, we got the Nets signing Aldridge. How do you feel about that? You can start venting now. I know you're. Upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, I already vented a little bit before the show started. Um, yeah. I. You know, it seemed for a while like uh, Miami kind of had him in the bag. So this definitely caught me off guard i don't know about you uh, i knew he was going to feel out his options but i was thinking it was either between the suns or the heat one way or the other i did not see the nets as an actual legitimate um uh, landing spot for him but they got him and honestly if i'm miami i'm happy because by him signing with the nets to me, it tells me a lot about him as a player, at least in this stage of his career. Um, because Miami, you know, people talk a lot about, you know, heat culture and culture in itself is an overused word in the NBA of creating their culture, this team's culture. Um, but the Heat really do have a very, you know, specific, they ask uh, of a, stand, a standard that they ask uh, their players to meet. And, you know, they are very purposeful and how they construct their roster and the type of players that they go after. And by this signing, I don't think Marcus Aldridge in this stage of his career, mind you right now, I don't think he fits that type of player because Miami need wanted a LaMarcus Aldridge that was going to come in and, you know, fight to get in playoff shape and uh, be able to be a real contributor to this team come playoff time and be that kind of like, uh, Jimmy Butler mentality of, you know, he's in it for the hard work. He's going to push himself and give what he can't his best to this organization. Not saying that he's not going to, you know, give his best to the nets or anything like that, but seems like he's just going the easy route of, Oh, this team's looking pretty good. They're the obvious favorites for the championship. I'm going to go ahead and go over here where it looks a little bit easier versus this other organization where it presents a challenge for me where we've got to compete and fight uh, to get back to the finals this year. Yeah. I think part of that's being, what is he, 35 years old, turning 36, which is adds adds something to it. And uh, I'm not going to say that, uh, that we know what's going to happen with every trade, uh, but I'd like to just bring our attention back to the first episode uh, named (laughs) six months and a ring because of the prediction of Aldridge taking the easy way and signing with the Nets. Yep. Um, how impactful is this for the Nets? We talked about the decision for Aldridge's point of view. What kind of impact do you think that, that LaMarcus can have coming into this team that, that already has 
uh, is it six or seven, uh, 40 year old all-stars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the number is rising. That's for sure. Um, uh-huh. you know, I think he, he might have a little bit more of an impact than, uh, Blake Griffin. I think he just mm-hmm. fits their offensive style a little bit more with that said, I don't think it's a crazy huge impact, at least from what we saw in San Antonio. Um, because he he wasn't he's a big man but he wasn't getting a bunch of rebounds yeah. uh he's not a stellar defender and he's gonna get you a, a few buckets in the mid-range game and maybe a corner three or two uh, if if you ask that of him so i think i mean well, if it's well he's uh looking to score and not playing a lot of defense so we're you know he's he fits with nets culture i think that's, I, yeah that's, that's exactly good. what i was gonna say i think i think that's how the nets play basketball in general <laughs> i think it's 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 pretty easy with uh you know when you when you load up with all-stars it's easy to go all in offense they're basically playing the all-star game now so i think this uh these latest acquisitions kind of say a lot about the nets organization to me um because well steve nash is the head coach yes but all of this feels like a very mike d'antoni mm. move. <laughs> because he is completely selling out on defense for offense we are going to score more points than you no matter what and you can score as many points as you want but we believe that we're always going to score more points than you because uh in all of their trades they are gaining offense or their or their signings they're gaining offense and they're shipping out uh defense or they're uh getting guys at the expense of defense you think of jared allen he was their best defensive center got rid of him now uh nick claxton i think that this comes at a big expense to him uh acquiring both blake griffin and lamarcus aldridge claxton's been their best defensive center best defensive big man and now his meaning his minutes are just getting cut down and he wasn't a bad offensive contributor either. Their uh, points per whatever, 100 possessions with him on the floor uh, were not that bad. That He was top two or three. So I just I just don't know what their mindset is, but I, it just seems like we're going to score more yeah. points than you. I will say this. I was talking to someone about this the other day and I was saying that this went – if they win the title, which is, you know, obviously what they're shooting for at this point when you're stockpiling veterans, I think the the win really goes to the management of the Nets. I mean, you know, we can as basketball fans and as purists looking back at when when there was one superstar, one all-star per team and get upset at it. Uh, but from doing your job as a general manager to have a season <laughs> where you come in with – you're yeah. feeling pretty good With right Durant now. Durant <laughs> and Kyrie, and you add, you know, just from a couple names, you add Harden, you add Blake Griffin, you add um, now Aldridge, and you only had acquired Katie and um, Kyrie like, what, the season before. That's pretty impressive. So I'll say that. Whether I can yep. get upset about them stockpiling, um, they're winning the game as far as management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the, the organization, what organization wouldn't make yeah. those moves? If you're front office, you have the abilities to do it, do it. Like ev- all of the other uh, teams in the NBA wish mm-hmm. they could. So uh, you had the opportunity to go for it from a business standpoint. I get it. Um, just from a, from a player and fan aspect, it, it's a little bit frustrating. And I think another loser with with all of this is kd himself because mm-hmm. kd brooklyn was his chance to like prove really prove himself and win a ring like oh everybody hated on him for going to golden state just to win a championship there then now oh man he's going to brooklyn he's going to prove on his own the t- the caliber of player he is that he deserves uh the rings that he has not i'm not saying that he doesn't yeah. um but now you're adding all these guys it it feels like a do-over if not worse <laughs> of what you did over there of now w- what is there you're not proving anything because it's the same kind of story yeah good move overall i know you've been you've been itching to, to talk about it we talked about miami swinging and missing on aldridge miami trades for oladipo thoughts on that um i'm not upset 
I I do like it. I think the I do think the reason that they went for the trade now versus just signing him in the offseason was I think they also believed they were going to get Aldridge um and they thought that that would be a great uh you know going for Old Depot now would give them a, a lot better of a chance at the finals this year. Um not getting Aldridge, I don't think that that greatly impacts him in any way. Also getting Nemanja Bielcia. I think I pronounced that wow. correctly. Someone went to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that was that was cur- courtesy of Miami Heat Instagram. <laughs> um, but I think uh, Bielcia fits in that uh, Kelly O'Rinick role, role at the four. And Oladipo, if he stays healthy, and I think in Miami, his efficiency improves just because of how, uh, you know, taking care of the ball is is a pretty important in Miami, pretty staple part of their mantra. But if he stays healthy, his efficiency gets better. He kind of takes some of the pressure off of Jimmy and gives them another guy that they can run, really run the offense through. Uh, another guy to pair up and pick and roll with Bam. Definitely adds another dimension to the the team's offense makes him a little bit scarier on that side of the floor. If he can return to his defensive prowess mm-hmm. of a few years ago when he was, I think, second or third All-NBA defensive yeah. team, um, then he really fits in great in Miami. Um, but I don't know that with all these other moves in the East that it really puts them in contention for the finals. I I love the move, first of all. I think that. I think Miami was was going to be a front runner to sign Oladipo anyways. I think this secures the the bag and, and makes for good relations with him as a player that we're willing to give up a couple guys. I love that um, it's O'Reilly, Gosh, Pat Riley, um, O'Reilly, Pat Riley. auto parts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored. Um, I love that he didn't give up Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, or a first-round pick for him. And I think that's that's an awesome deal. If you can get a 28-year-old former All-Star um, that at that price, that's super awesome. Um, we talked about efficiency. Um, I don't know how hard I would play playing for Houston that dropped 16, 17 games in a row. You know, that's, I, I think, and we're going to talk about this later about players performing based on how the team's doing. But um, I think that if you, especially if you wash out the uh, Houston stage of his career, then that's, it's an even better deal from that viewpoint. Yeah, no, I, I definitely am a fan of the acquisition, fan of Oladipo. I think it'll be good. And yeah, like you said, with both of these trades, I think Pat Riley did great in, he didn't really give up much for either of them. You know, a first round, in addition to Olenek, a first round swap rights with Houston. Um, swap, and yeah. then, which at, at its worst, it's like, you know, they swap maybe in the high 20s. They're both in the high 20s because it's a first round acquisition that I think was from Brooklyn, something like that. So if anything, it puts them back a handful of picks <laughs> and it's not in the late 20s yeah. anyways. Talking so about a non-lottery pick then, first round, just, yeah, swap. Yeah. And Bielcia, they got rid of two uh, on the fringe players that weren't really making any impacts either. Uh, so I think it was a A plus for the way that they uh, made those uh, trades. Loser of this trade. Uh, I got to I gotta just shame the, the Houston Rockets. And maybe it's because of the in-state robbery, but I have to shame the Houston Rockets because uh, they trade Oladipo uh, a couple months after trading for for him in the Harden deal, including another team to get a part of this. And they could have had Karis LeVert. That was the that was what this was swapped out. So I think when you look at that from that perspective, not that they didn't get much back, which they didn't, um, <laughs> but not even that. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that you could have Karis LeVert <laughs> on your roster, who's a promising young guard that would be perfect for what Miami would be looking for. But yeah, they're a trash fire, so... <laughs> yeah things aren't looking too hot over there not not a great season for them what do you think about the Sixers sitting number one in the east uh they were relatively quiet but they did add uh George Hill Mm. um I think he falls in the category we talked about last week some small trades where it's a solid player that knows how to play good basketball and it's not going to hurt your team and I think that when you're sitting at the first seed 
and your chemistry is going really good, you're having having a good year, then I think George Hill is the kind of player you want to add. Um, swinging for a big trade right now, I think would have made not a lot of sense for the Sixers, just in the sense that you, what are you giving up? What, what um, chemistry are you messing up 20 to 30 games before, before the postseason? I know a lot of the, the fans wanted them to add Kyle Lowry, uh, which I mean, probably isn't going to hurt you, but if you're the first feet seed and it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. Sitting in first seed still after having Embiid out um, for for a few games, so I think it's a an absolute win for them. And yeah, uh, obviously Kyle Lowry would have taken them over the top, and now you're really having a a big conversation of who's the favorites in the East, either the Nets or the Sixers. But like you said, what are you giving up for him? So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think he fits in well in their second unit and. If the Sixers can keep it up, maybe they do make it a good uh, series, maybe in the in the conference finals between them. Depending and the on health, I think this whole year in, in either conference or any anywhere, I, mean, I think this is the year that's been affected by health the most. If you have a healthy Sixers team coming in versus uh, a K, a Durantless Nets, then that's you're looking at. I think still a good series, but the Sixers coming out on top. Yeah, anything can happen this year. It's pretty crazy. What do you think about uh, your Mavs oh, over there? Uh, I, you know, until about until about two p.m., I had almost lost faith in them doing anything at the trade deadline ever again. Um, <laughs> I, I love some of the pipe dreams. I'll just say from, you know, how you'll get on Twitter and and you'll you'll specifically look under the rumors that are circulating for your team. Um, and I love yeah. the, I love the delusion from from each team. And the, I mean. You know, you're a Heat fan. You've probably seen some pretty crazy trades where, hey, Kyle Lowry for 2025 second round pick makes perfect sense. And, you right. know, uh, yeah. I think Mavs <laughs> fans thought that they were going to swing big and get um, get John Collins or Kyle Lowry. And these are some names being thrown on Mavs Twitter, uh, which which the Mavs just realistically this deadline because it's trading for KP a couple years back. I uh, just didn't have the assets for um, but I like, I like Reddick. I think anytime you can get one of the best shooters in the league in recent history to pair with young up and coming passer and Luka Doncic, who makes every shoot around him just a little bit better. I think it's good for Reddick and I think it's good for the Mavs. Yep. I think Reddick was ready for a change of scenery and, uh, I think his three point shooting bounces back. He's been, uh, shooting about 36% this mm-hmm. season, but that's on uh, pretty low numbers of uh, not his normal uh, shooting volume. So I think he bounces back, gets that over that 40% mark with, Dal- with Dallas. And I think this is also a lot about what he brings into the mm-hmm. locker room too. I think he's a good player that you want in your locker room, has that experience. Um, another uh, guy kind of to – uh, be right there next to uh, um, Luca and help guide him in his first few years in the league, help make him a better player. And I think it's all around a, a good landing spot for he him. He fits a role perfectly that the Mads had with Seth Curry last year, which was just a great shooter. And they, they lost that in trading for Richardson, which a lot of people don't like that trade. I still like Richardson. I think that if I could have either just Curry or now at this point, Richardson and Reddick, then I take the moves that the Mavs have done. I like that. Uh, also a win for Reddick, just in the fact that um, the Mavs will likely make the playoffs. Last year, sadly for Reddick, because he was with New Orleans, was the first year that he missed the playoffs in his career, which is super sad. Uh, so hopefully uh, yep. Dallas gets to bring him back to the playoffs this year. Um, Clippers trading Rondo for Lou Williams. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Um, I think the Clippers got what they wanted. Uh, they, they needed a point guard. It was pretty obvious to tell and they got one and Rondo wasn't doing great over in Atlanta. So they were perfectly fine with shipping him out. And it's interesting that, uh, I mean, I think Lou Williams will do a little bit more for Atlanta than Rondo was doing. I think they'll use him, uh, a bit more. But 
we talked about Atlanta last week. I, I don't really know what their mindset is and why they're pushing for sort of a win now mentality, even though we all know they're not going to win. Yeah. But. Hey, Lou Williams is a good <laughs> grab. I think that you, that's um, in the offense that Atlanta is trying to do, it's a very score heavy offense, especially with Trey Young. And I think that if that's what you're going for, low defense, high energy backcourt, just flamethrowing Lou Williams and Trey Young, that's not a bad strategy. I think that'll be really good uh, pairing uh, Lou Williams and Trey Young. I'll I'll go ahead and um, I feel like we've had some some very optimistic takes on some of these trades, which I think most of the trades have been very beneficial, which has been nice. I haven't had many hot Definitely. takes. However, yeah. I hate this trade for the Clippers. I hate it, hate it, hate it. Ooh-hoo. I do. Okay. Um, Rondo, not a huge fan of. Not in today's NBA. I think he's a little overvalued. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Oof. I think I All think right. that they needed a point guard, yes. Um, and I was happy to see them get Rondo. I was like, he's not a bad player. Uh, but Lou Williams has been good for the Clippers for a long time. And he's been a valuable piece in the playoffs. Coming from watching Dallas in the playoffs in the first round last year, um, you, you have a team where I'm more scared when Lou Williams checks in with the second unit than when, when Paul George is playing, you know, pandemic <laughs> fee, but, but still, I think, I think Lou Williams is, man, there's such a stigma with, with six men. It's like, Oh, they're not a starting player. Oh, you know, had the importance of starting, but, but in a game, a six man is so important, especially when you have Lou Williams, who is just an absolute, just true through and through baller. It's going to get you out of ruts. Whenever your offense is stagnant, you can pop him in. He can tear up opposing second units. Um, I'm a huge Lou Williams fan, and I just think that getting Rondo back for him is is a big loss for the Clippers. Yeah, uh, he definitely was the heart and soul of that team, I think. Kawhi Leonard's not exactly your, your hype mm-hmm. man, yeah. <laughs> per se, on the team. And neither is... Uh, is George. So uh, it's, it's definitely a loss for them as far as their locker room and their, you know, their fan base, I think had a great connection, a strong connection to Lou Williams. And like you said, he was the sixth man of the year, two years in a row, um, always in the conversation of sixth man of the year. But I think it came to like, you know, they, they just needed a, a point guard and Lou Williams isn't a point guard. And I, while Rondo, may not i don't know if overvalued is uh, the word that i'd use for him or overrated uh i still think he has some of the best vision in the league i don't think he can make the same passes that he used to but he still uh, adds value and can still fill that role for you that you need so while the clippers definitely lost something substantial i think they they filled one of the holes plugged one of the holes that was sinking their ship um, yeah, I think, and I agree with you. It, it, it was they do have several several holes, I think, in their offense, and they they have, which has been kind of overshadowed by the fact that they have two all star wings. But I think it's very hard to um, win in this league when you have two max level players that play very similar positions, and it's going to be hard for you to build a team around that. And they're working at it; they're doing good. They're not a bad team by any means. They're still a playoff team, but. It's, it's just a little stagnant when both of your players play basically a wing position and the point guard role is yep. so important. The center role is important in the NBA today. Uh, I will say Rondo, I don't think he's a good shooter. So I think that that's, it doesn't, it doesn't help. It helps you to play basketball maybe a little better, you know, more traditional lineup. But if you're in a series against the Nets, the Lakers, these teams that are just going all in on offense, I don't think Rondo helps you as much. But that's my two cents. I'd have one trade I didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His shooting. Yeah. He's definitely not adding much offensively, but I think what he, what he does add is just ball movement. Um, watching the Clippers in the few games that I have, their offense did kind of seem stagnant and just, you know, pass the ball and Paul George is going to try an ISO play pass the ball to Leonard. He's going to try an ISO play. But so it just seemed to, uh, a bit stagnant there. So I think he adds a little bit of an element of he can still drive and get good lands, 
um, kick it out to a Paul George in the corner waiting for a three um, and, or back to a, a Kawhi Leonard who's cutting through an open lane. So uh, I think that's the value that he adds to this team is just getting them to run a more uh, healthy and sustainable offense. That's fair. Um, can't disagree with the, the passing there. Uh, hopefully I'm proved wrong because I, I like to see teams win. You know, it's, it's good. It's good for basketball team teams win. Um, I don't think it moves the needle much. You know, a team that's, Ooh. you know, a team that's not going to do much winning. <laughs> uh, would it be the Orlando magic? <laughs> it would be because <laughs> they shipped out three of their best players <laughs> at the trade deadline. Uh, so why don't we talk about Aaron Gordon first? Mm-hmm. Heading over to Denver. I like that. Uh, I'm going to preface this with with just a little Orlando. The fact that that there was rumors about certain players getting moved, and I think that if you move one of them, you have to move all three of them. I think they did a great job. I'm happy that Orlando moved all three players because that's the correct move to make. Um, I yeah. agree. Now that being said, Aaron Gordon. Uh, Aaron Gordon. I do like the Denver trade form. Uh, I like some of the pieces that Orlando is getting back. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about where this takes Denver. I'm trying to think in, in this, in this category where, um, where exactly it takes Denver, if it puts them into the, the title contending or more of a, of a Boston kind of more options, but not necessarily over the top move. Uh, as a Porter Jr. fan, I don't like the the minutes being taken away from him. I knew that's this, where this it, was it going. is. And it really is, and I think I think he's a really <laughs> dynamic player. I think he's, and he may not be treated that way. I think he's a better player than than Aaron Gordon. Um, at least more talent. Right. You know, he's a second year player, but um, more talent than that. I, I hope it works out really well. But I think the caution is that the Denver's already kind of had this kind of like we have a lot of good players kind of mentality. And it's like, and we can use any of them at any given night. Um, and Gordon kind of just adds to this mess, which gives them the options to kind of decide, um, which is good for the coach, but the coach needs to do something to come with a good, with a good plan about packing order and, and who's scoring. And that way they kind of understand what's going on here. What are your thoughts? I actually really like mm. this trade um, for Denver. Like you said, great on Orlando, actually, you know, making the moves and deciding, you know what, it's time. We got to yeah. blow this up. We got to send these guys out. It's not working. Let's try to rebuild. So good for them in making that decision and committing to it. Uh, I like Aaron Gordon in Denver. Um, and I actually still like him for uh, Porter Jr. Because, and I'm going to mm-hmm. use a little bit of a similarity to soccer. Soccer is one of my other favorite okay. sports following European soccer. And a big thing that they do, if they have a young player that's kind of playing inconsistently and just isn't performing regularly to, to your expectations, they bring in another player that's going to push them. Mm. And I think that's exactly what Aaron Gordon does for Michael Porter Jr. I think Denver's kind of saying, hey, man, we've been, yes, this is your, your second year, third year overall, but second year playing. But we kind of expected you to take a little bit of a leap in your second year. And we have we've we've seen flashes of your your potential, mm-hmm. but you're just not there consistently. So I think Denver's saying, "Hey, there's this other guy that fits the role that we want you to fit, and he's going to do it. Now you got to fight it out mm-hmm. and uh, push him, provide that little in-house competition, healthy competition to motivate Michael Porter Jr. to play uh, to the level that he's capable of." Okay. And, and like I like I said, I'm not saying that it's going to hurt Denver at all. I'm I, I want to see that I want to see them do good. I like I like Denver. Like I like all of the players in their team. Uh, I hope that they, you know, with the injuries, they they could totally you know take the West with this roster. I think depending on what some other teams look like come playoff time. So yeah, I like him, and I think he he fits a, a good role there. Uh, Evan Fournier going to Boston. Boston. Actually, did make a move. They stayed quiet, well, relatively quiet for a while, but they snuck in Evan uh, Fournier. What do you think? 
Good player. Disappointment for Boston, though. Just at, at the trade deadline, I think overall, I think they were linked to about every name and also to about every buyout rumor. And I think they've made a lot of moves in the past, so fans were expecting something, something to go to Boston, something over the top. Fournier makes them a better team. That's without a doubt. They didn't give up almost anything for him. Uh, I'm trying to think if there were any uh, pick inclusions. They, they gave, a, I think, a second or something. They had the massive trade exception, what's let them take on Fournier's salary. I just don't think it's a... I think in Boston right now, especially with how they've been performing, you're looking for over-the-top moves. You're looking for moves that's going to make them maybe title contenders or title favorites. And I just think this is just kind of like, a, okay, that's nice. You know, instead of a, I think this makes them scary. Yeah, I think it's like a, coming from the Celtics, like we need to do something. Everybody wants us to do something. So we've got to try <laughs> And this was the best that they could they could come up with because I I just don't think they could pull off anything to get. Um, so the magic to clarify uh, because of the trade exception that the Celtics had, they didn't get anything besides the two second round picks. Really interesting. Okay, because uh, um, the trade exception, they could just so, the salary. Yeah, the salary fit within that trade exception. Yeah, I I think it it came down to what else could they do really. I think he he kind of fits the the hole that Gordon Hayward left, even though that wasn't uh, much of a hole that he left after coming back off an of injury. But he he fits in there, so the Celtics definitely know what they can do with him um, and how he can fit into this team. Um, but I I'm a little bit I've been a little bit disappointed in the Celtics this season as a whole anyways you know coming off of an eastern conference finals trip and uh they just you know didn't seem to take that that leap or come back at full strength uh after last season that i was expecting yeah it's hard to it's hard to look at them because it's like i don't really know if they have many holes in their roster there's many things that like you know even trading for you know like trade that didn't happen trading for kyle lowry what's the difference between kyle lowry and kemba walker i mean is there very huge yeah. title winning difference there. I don't think so. So you're giving up chemistry for that. Uh, I I just I think I'm kind of just meh on the the Celtics right now with the trade and just everything. It's you know yeah. prove me wrong. Make it to yeah. the Eastern Conference Finals. Prove me wrong. <laughs> yep. Now arguably the well not arguably definitely the biggest mm. star on Orlando this season. Nikola Vucevic went over to this kind of caught me off mm-hmm. guard going to the Bulls. The Bulls trying to, to make something of themselves. That's it's so interesting to me. I think which is has proved, I think, really how much they believe in Zach Levine after this year, which is is good. He's I think at the beginning of the year in this offseason, there was talks about him, you know, possibly, you know, not being shopped, but check on the value of maybe trading him. Uh, and he just completely balls out this year. And now they're, they're, they're pairing with Vucevic, which is a good combo. Um, I don't completely understand it, what the Bulls are exactly trying to do, but I, I, I'm excited to see them play together. Yeah, it's definitely interesting that they go from a, a bottom of the East team to like, hey, no, we're actually going to make moves for this season and, see kind of what happens i don't i don't hate get uh trading out wendell carter jr or Otto porter jr i think they're both they've played solid for the bulls um but uh, it's an obvious upgrade getting uh vucevic and i think he will pair nicely with zach levine and i think for the bulls it came down to you know we have to do something in order to retain zach levine they really like him uh, they want him to stick around, and but in order to to hold on to him, they definitely need a new winning team. Yeah, him. that's fair. I think it was just I think they're probably on that teeter of, of whether you you want to build around Levine or not. They want to build around Levine because I think giving up two first round picks is tough. Um, but they're going all in. I like the gutsy move. Hopefully, they can get some talent to pair with these players because these two players alone, I don't think are 
shooting into the top four or five seeds. East is easy to get in the playoff, but if they can get some pieces to play with these players, maybe a really good uh, a wing player, a good three and D player would be really nice. And if they can, if they can swing that, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I can't think off the top of my head how much cap room they'll have in free agency this year if they'll be able to add any big pieces or anything. Um, but yeah, this definitely this keeps them in playoff contention for the next few years if this is the team that they stay with. Yeah. But uh, if you want to get over the hump, they've definitely got to add. Yeah, I think else. also I was talking to someone about that. Just we forget the the part of the NBA. I mean, really, all of the NBA is a business. Um, <laughs> this puts you in the playoffs for the next few years. It keeps you semi-relevant. Get you more. Is money. this a yep. is this a move that's going to put you in the playoffs or the playoffs the, the finals? No, it's not. But realistically, that's not necessarily the goal for all teams. <laughs> Just to be a little more relevant. Exactly. So yeah. It, it does that. You get more more money from ticket sales in in the playoffs, from TV deals in the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and we know teams are, you know hurting a little bit and need to make up some revenue with uh, the pandemic and all. So definitely a, a move in that sense as yeah. well. Doesn't uh, negatively impact them there at all. Uh, all right. We have one trade left that we're going to talk about Norman Powell to Portland. Just real briefly with thoughts on that. I like it uh, for Portland. I think they, they need to do something. And now that's a, that's a pretty scary, you know, one, two and three with uh, Dame CJ McCollum and Norman Powell. So uh, offensively, that's a that's a scary lineup, and I'm excited to see what they can do uh, in the West. I mean, I don't expect them to, uh, you know, I think they're a good second-round playoff team, uh, but I, it'll definitely be interesting to watch. I'm excited yeah. for them. For Toronto, I mean, it was time. There wasn't much else going on in Toronto. We all – uh, which I think surprised a lot of us, at least myself, after uh, doing pretty them doing pretty well last season. Yeah. Not in the playoffs, obviously, but um, definitely uh, excited to see what what happens. Yeah, there. I like the fact because I don't think Powell would have resigned with them, um, but I think that Trent Jr. is a good young player. They're both at the end of their contracts. You have a better chance of keeping Trent Jr. if you like him, uh, which I think they do. If you can get a young player out of it for an expiring contract. What the heck? Why not? Good, good on the, yep. good on the Raptors. That's uh, that's trade deadline. Uh, a lot more exciting than I thought it was going to be. A lot more context busy. than, than oh, I yeah. thought we were going to going to have to have to cover. Uh, just real briefly, we won't talk about it anymore. But favorite favorite deal, and you can't say Miami. What's your favorite deal? Buyout, trade room, or whatever it was. Uh, what's your favorite deal of the deadline? I, I've got to pick Andre Drummond going to the Lakers for both sides too, because I think. Uh, he fits. Uh, I think he's a great fit for the role uh, that the Lakers needed and and want him to play. And I think it kind of like what I said, what Aldridge going to the net says about him. I think it says the opposite of Andre Drummond because he definitely had the opportunity to go to uh, the Nets. They had another roster spot that they could assign him to. Obviously, he's a lot younger than LaMarcus Aldridge, but he showed that you know he still wants to go and compete for a mm -hmm. title i mean yes going to the lakers they're one of the favorites coming out of the west but the west is definitely much more uh contentious for who's going to come out of the west into the finals and it's by no means so it's no it's not going to be you know it's not sealed for the lakers at this point to be in the finals again this year and he's willing to go in and help that team fight for a, a yeah. repeat so i like it yeah um that's a good trade i think i think i like the old Adipo trade just for the the long, the long build of it. I think if you if you can get him at at the price you're getting him for, then awesome. I think it's a there were some exciting trades, but I like I like that one. I, I like Oladipo as a player. I I do like Miami. Um, so hopefully it's a union that during the next few years he's 28. He's a similar timeline as Bam, a couple years exactly. older. Exactly. It's gonna be it's all good moves. Miami needed to get marginally younger. They didn't need to get too young, but they need to be a little bit younger. That was perfect. Yep. So before we wrap up the day today, good trades, but our weekly question is, what's the problem? Uh, so Bailey, what's yes. the problem we're going to talk about? 
the problem is maybe it's just me. Maybe I just have a personal mm-hmm. problem with this. <laughs> you have a lot of those. But <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Quite a few. Just add this to the list. <laughs> but um, I, I've kind of taken an issue with, and uh, I'm interested to see your thoughts, is we've kind of been used to throughout pretty much the entire existence of the NBA to of teams tanking, right? Teams will tank if they're not doing great in order to try to secure a better uh, draft spot, get in the lottery and better chances for, you know, one of those top three picks. But I kind of feel like we might be starting to see a, a new age beginning and where we, where players begin to tank. If they're not uh, super happy in their situation or they're not on a, a winning team, then could they start to tank you know this is going beyond just requesting mm-hmm. a trade i'm going beyond that into uh, them purposefully driving down their value not playing to their full effort and driving their value down to where really you know you're not even you can't even sit on them you you have no option but to uh, buy them out for example blake griffin playing in detroit and the man hasn't dunked mm-hmm. in two years coming off knee injuries things like this knee surgeries uh now he's immediately he's traded over to the brooklyn nets and immediately he's dunking again not to say that he's having a he's returning to lob city blake or anything like that uh but he's clearly had quite an uptick in effort um and just his overall drive in his game now uh that he's had a change of scenery and is with the nets so is there a problem and could this could this lead to a, a further problem in the future of players starting to tank just so that they can? Uh, That's an interesting point. I was thinking this trade season. I think we've talked more about buyouts than we have in in a lot of the years past. Um, and and not not a buyout that um, I don't want to pay this player anymore. They're too expensive, and they're just they might sign somewhere else. But but almost of of doing the player a favor and saying, hey. Uh, you know, we want you to go sign somewhere else. So, so go ahead. Like, so we're talking about Aldridge. We're talking about Drummond. Uh, JJ Redick would have been one of the players as well. But I think it 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 might be an issue, just to the the simple fact that I think that's where the league's kind of going, and, and the fact that it's just all power to the players, uh, which is good to some degree. There, there's definitely a balance to be had, and I think that it's a it's a technique that that they're going to start using. I do have a very strong opinion on the the Blake Griffin though, and I think this is this is where I kind of draw the line with it. You you're looking at uh, at Blake Griffin, and and he was putting a lot less effort than he has in, previously in his career, uh, but he was also with the Detroit Pistons, and he did not ask to play with that team. He did not sign a contract with that team. He was traded to that team. He signed a max deal with the Clippers. A couple years later was traded to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, so I think when a player is in a situation where they didn't ask to be there, they didn't sign a contract with that team, but they were traded, kind of blindsided by that, not giving 100% effort is is a little more acceptable in that scenario to me than you saying, hey, I signed a contract with this team, but then I changed my mind and now I'm forced my way out. I think it depends kind of if you sign with the team, just on a very personal, like a, uh, uh, personnel kind of uh, level of that is my opinion. That's fair. With the Blake situation, I do think it goes, I think it is kind of players trying to take back a little bit of the mm-hmm. power because uh, it is in the hands of the, the organizations. But at the same time, I feel like that, that's just part of the league. That's that's kind of how it goes. If you want to play in the NBA and you want to compete in the NBA, you know full and well that it's a possibility for you to be traded and you may not. Uh, be able to choose. I think most players these days uh, get to uh, at least most players on that level, right? Of the uh, sign and max contracts and stuff like that. They usually have a list that they put out to the organization. Like these are the teams that I want to be traded uh-huh. to um, stuff like that. I don't know. I don't remember if that was the case for uh, Blake. I find it uh, hard to believe days. that uh, Detroit makes anyone's list, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> As very, I have a hard time though believing that the Clippers would would just ship him off without consulting mm-hmm. first. That with everything that he did for them as an organization, without consulting him first, saying, "Hey, 
is this a place that you would at least hate to go? Like, do you not want to go there? Absolutely. But so, so while I sympathize with that a little bit I, at the same time, like it's part yeah. of the game that you decided you wanted to play. Um, so uh, I, I could go 50, 50 on that. I just hope we don't see uh, uh, this starting to continue and perpetuate throughout the league of, of guys who just want uh, to force their way out of situations that they yeah. don't want to be in. I think it kind of too, a buyout is a great way for a player to get to choose their next team and to get out of a bad situation without the team that they're going to giving up any assets. Because really as a player, if you're, if you're a player that wants to compete, you don't want to get traded because you, you want those players that they trade you for to, to play. You want to play with them. You want the people to stay on the team. So I think it's kind of a sneaky back where I think you'd want to, you'd want to get yeah. bought out more than anything. Cause then you're going to a better team, a team with more assets. Definitely. But I think it calls into the question of, again, you're, you're a player in the NBA playing basketball is what you do. You're, you're supposed to have that. Maybe this is just too idealistic of me, but I feel like you, you should have that uh, love of the game that no matter where you're at, at least you you're playing the game that you love. You want to give your all and you want to do it for the fans. You want to, you want to give them uh, everything you got, no matter where you're at, but Everybody wants to win a championship. I get that at the same time, but I think it's just an interesting uh, thing that we'll have to see if it if it's a trend that continues or yeah. not. Time will tell. If it does continue, not a super fan <laughs> of that. Oh, boy. Well, that wraps up at least all of the biggest news from this year's trade deadline. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Corner 3 Podcast, go ahead and give us a follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes uh, that we uh, come to you with every Tuesday morning. And if you really enjoyed uh, what you heard this week, then go ahead and share us with a friend. You'll be doing us a huge favor with that. Next week, we'll be coming at you with a brand new episode talking all about our kind of, sort of, way too early picks for the Western Conference playoffs. We'll tell you where we think all the biggest teams will land in their seating order and why. So stay tuned for that, and we'll catch you next time.